0: Welcome to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. We are here for you to
1: know God, grow together, discover purpose and make a difference in New York City and beyond. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at EveryNationNYC. And enjoy the message.
0: I've been serving Jesus for a long time. I know I look young, but I started early. <laughs> I gave my life to Jesus when I was 2 years old. I remember the night I got baptized when I was four. I followed Jesus into international missions when I was 20. I took on my first church as lead pastor at 26. I got married the same year. Followed Jesus to New York City seven years ago. Been on a wild ride with Jesus. Saying yes, saying yes, saying yes. But at the end of last year, I was approached by some pastors and ministers in our city and saying, Nathan, we want to ratchet up our spirituality. Would you come and pray with us for hours on end every week? And I thought, I kind of want to say no. They said, but we're believing for revival, that God would touch our land, that God would pour out his spirit on New York City. And I went to my wife and I was like, I really want to say no, would you say no for me? And she's like, don't you dare put that on me. You be a man and you go figure it out. Something like that, right? (laughs) I would love to blame my wife for uh, reducing my spirituality. Isn't that the nature of things? We want to blame somebody? I think Pastor James talked about that last week. So I sought the Lord, and though I didn't want to, I said yes. And this year, from the start of this year, I've been on a fresh yes journey with Jesus. been serving Jesus from the age of two, but now at the age of 38, I'm on a fresh yes journey with Jesus. And I want to invite you to go on that journey with me. Yeah, I I heard it. No! 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 Or maybe just yes. I'm sorry, Esther. I'm sorry, baby. Oh, I scared my baby that's what comes out of my heart when I when I hear Jesus saying will you follow me <laughs> this is a big old no we sang we sang a song today the words of which were written by a martyr in India though none go with me still I'll follow oh I'm sorry Esther <laughs> she is she's like daddy you want it you you scared me started praying and just saying yes to Jesus and I don't have the time to start to tell the stories of what God has been leading me to do and how he's asking me to alter my time and alter my life but I want to talk a little bit about something that God is doing across our nation in Asbury College in Wilmore Kentucky in 2017 a campus pastor got together some students from his campus ministry. He wasn't even the lead campus pastor, but he said, guys, we pray fervently for hours once a week together. Pray for our campus. Pray that God would visit our nation because people think that it started this year, but it started a long time ago. God poured out his spirit there in the 1970s using a woman to lead students in fervent prayer to Jesus. 2017 this pastor said can we pray spend time every week devoting ourselves to jesus and they said yes what happens when we say yes to jesus the start of this month god poured out his spirit on asbury university and what started is a couple of students gathering after a chapel service to pray turned into a 24 7 prayer meeting Where 50,000 people gathered over the course of 13 days to seek God. Even the New York Times had to acknowledge it. And they wrote this, quoting a student volunteer, the Asbury Revival is marked by overwhelming peace for a generation marked by anxiety. It's marked by joy for a generation marked by suicidal ideation. It's marked by humility for a generation traumatized by the, abuse of, by the abuse of religious power. And I think, God, would you do that for us? Yes. Yes. What's it gonna take, God, to see revival come to New York City? I wanna talk a little bit about what revival is. And this is all in just my introduction. Revival is a divine visitation of God among his people that results in a greater manifestation of his kingdom. It might look like joy, it might look like peace, it might look like the crime rate going down. In some places when God visits in rural villages, their vegetables get bigger. The fish that they catch get bigger. We've heard reports from uh, the islands of Fiji you can look up the healing the land revival in the Fijian islands where the fish that used to live outside the bay decided to all of a sudden swim into the bay grow two to three times as big and now what used to take them all day to catch fish takes hours so that they can devote their time to their family and unto the Lord like God had designed for them to do it's a manifestation of the kingdom of God a manifestation of the kingdom of God but it takes us saying yes. And I've often thought, God, why don't you just pour out your spirit on us? God, why do we need to seek you first? Why do we need to pray and call upon you? Why can't you just magic away the evil in New York City? Why can't you just edit out the bad parts and give us the good parts? God, you heal people, you calm storms, you do revivals. God, why can't you just do it? It's going to take us seeking God first in one of those prayer meetings i was i was in a pastor prayed god thank you for your mercy in not pouring out your spirit on our apathy lest we think that it's about us and not about you god in your mercy you've kept back your spirit of revival from us because we don't want you, you've not blessed half-heartedness how do we do it Revival comes when the grip of darkness over people and the territory of darkness is broken or weakened by the spirit and the spirit is allowed more influence in God's people. How does it happen? It happens when people say yes to Jesus. It's going to be uncomfortable though your soul will scream no, you say yes. Why doesn't God just pour out his spirit? He doesn't just pour out a Spirit because He values you. Let me talk about this for a second. Have you guys ever heard of, who's heard of simulation theory? Yeah, one, two, come on students, simulation theory. <laughs> simulation theory, for those who don't know, is like the, the, the movie, The Matrix, became real. And it's gaining traction ap- among some elite people. Apparently, Elon Musk thinks it's real. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks it's real. And what that proves to me is this: if you have enough privilege, you'll believe anything. Because I guarantee you this: nobody's starving to death that's thinking, "Is this a simulation?" <laughs> Nobody that's trapped in domestic violence is like, "Is this even real, anyways?" It's the belief that the computers have taken over and plugged into our brains and. That none of this is really real anyways. And what it does is it degrades the value of our human experience right now. And while it's fun to make fun of those fools that believe in simulation theory, I think that many of us believe in what I'm going to call simulation theology. Simulation theology. Where God just chooses to edit out the bad stuff He just forgives. He just forgets. He just heals. When we don't realize that he purchased healing and forgiveness at the cost of his own blood. The currency of grace that we exchange with God when we sin and ask for forgiveness is more real than the currency of the United States because the currency of the United States is backed up on its good word and the next generation paying for debts that we produce. It's a fiat currency and grace is not a fiat currency. It's not backed up by God's good prayers and wishes. It's backed up by the blood of his only son. And what that means is that when we rebel against him, it's costing him real blood. When we rebel, when we obey, it matters. He's saying, I'm not just a divine editor, or video game designer in the sky that edits out the bad parts and plugs in the good parts. No, those things cost me my blood. He endows our lives with value. He doesn't edit it out. It's not simulation theology. And so God, would you forgive us for thinking that you could just magic eraser away our shame and pain and not call us into obedience and repentance at the same time? Because your grace is real. Your grace costs. To create the world... God spoke the word. But to redeem the world, the word had to die. It cost him. And like Jonah who was thrown into the wind and the waves, the Son of God was thrown into the storms of sin and death and he conquered it. But it cost him his life. It cost him three days in the tomb. And so today we're gonna see that Jesus is the storm authority. And I'm going to invite us to go on a yes journey through the word of God. Right now we're walking through this purple book and it's a Bible uh, devotion. It's a study of just biblical foundations. And the invitation is, would you go on a yes journey through the Word of God? It walks through sin and salvation and Lordship and baptism and repentance and how you can plug into a church and make disciples and how you can make a difference with Jesus. And so would you pick up one of these on your way out and say, yes, I'm going to complete this in about 12 weeks. So it takes a minute to walk through this. It's, It's hard work. But why would we think that the grace of Jesus wouldn't put a demand, a pressure, on our life to produce something new out of our life, to go on a fresh yes journey with Jesus. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus closes out his Sermon on the Mount. And people are marveling. When Jesus is finished saying these things, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. I wanna ask the question, who has authority in your life? Who has the authority to tell you to do something or tell you not to do something? Who has authority to bring you into something new? Who has authority to break you out of your ruts and routines? I hope that Jesus does. But we're gonna see that the one thing that says no to Jesus is people because Jesus values your opinion Jesus values your sovereignty over your personal space and your body and so what is going to require of us is a personal yes to Jesus he can control and command the winds and the waves but he's not going to do that to me and you he invites so who has authority that's the end of chapter 7 All throughout chapter 8, it's an expression of the raw authority of Jesus time after time after time. I want to walk through some of these expressions of authority. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1, when he came down from the mountain, a great crowd followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, what did he say? What's that word? Lord. What did he say? Lord. All right. It's going to be a theme. If you will, if you will, you can make me clean. I love this. He submitted his pain, his shame, his social outcast status to the Lord. He said, if you will, can we submit ourselves to the Lord freshly? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the, leper, the leprosy was clean. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded to prove to them. He puts his condition, he puts his life under the authority of Jesus, submitting himself to Jesus as Lord, and then Jesus says, hey, go visit the temple. In Leviticus chapter 13, Moses writes about what to do when your skin condition of leprosy clears up. And I believe that they were sitting up in that temple year after year after year, never having to do the ritual and the sacrifice that Moses taught in Leviticus 13, because Jesus hadn't arrived yet. Now Jesus is here, and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, bust out the book of Moses. We've got to learn how to do this. Many of us, when we get a touch from Jesus, what I see often is people get a touch from Jesus, but then they don't go and back into the religious structure that God has commanded us to operate in today called the church. We love getting a fresh touch from Jesus, but then when Jesus sends us back into the body to bring refreshment, to bring revival, to bring the testimony of what God is doing out in the city, people love to then say, no, thank you, I'm gonna go my own way. I was there for the healing, but I'm not there for the body of Jesus. I've seen that a lot. If you don't love the bride of Christ, I'm not sure if you love the, the Christ of the bride if you don't love the bride of Christ, if you don't love that body, if you said, Nathan, I love you, but your wife, I don't know, man, she's got that weird accent thing going on. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden you and me, we're not friends anymore. We're not friends. No, you're not invited to my home. You're not invited to anything around me. No, thank you. And I would hope that you would say the same thing if I insulted your partner. You would but we love throwing the bride of Christ under the bus, getting the touch from Jesus. And then when he sends us back into the church to bring refreshment and bring revival and to bring our testimony, we say, I would rather pass on that. Jesus, I'll take your healing, but I'll leave your word. Man, this last Sunday, guys, what God is doing in our city. I wish you'd been there. Sunday night, I baptized a young woman who God had just arrested her heart. She'd been in a years-long process of transitioning, of becoming a man. And as she walked into the hospital to get the surgery, God spoke to her and stopped her. And I, 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 I say it with tears and with trepidation in my eyes because I know that that Young woman has put more skin in the game of Christianity. It cost her more to follow Jesus out of that gender clinic than it cost me to stand on this stage. Oh, it cost her, I can't imagine, to leave the community she knows, to leave the path that she had chosen for her life. God is doing some amazing things in our city. Oh, I love it. God is doing amazing things in this city. Thank you, Jesus. But may we not sit in church and not allow it to cost us anything as well. Jesus continues his authority journey through Matthew chapter 8. And when he entered Capernaum, who? We're sending a, a small group out tonight. They're going to fly to Israel. They'll be in Capernaum tomorrow with Pastor Ron and Lynette. It's very exciting. It's a real place. You can walk these these, along the Sea of Galilee. You can see where Jesus did ministry. Incredible. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion, a Roman officer, came forward appealing to him. And he said, guess what he said, because I don't know if it's on the screen. He said, Lord. He said, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And He said to him, I will come and I will heal him. But the centurion replied, That's right, we're getting it. He replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with servants under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to the other one, come, and he comes. And to a servant, hey, go do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, With no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you've believed. And the servant was healed in that very moment. This Roman centurion, this bad guy in the Bible, oppressor, occupier, subverter of the Jewish culture and traditions, he had one thing going for him and it was this, he understood authority. And I think as New Yorkers, we also understand authority because if your boss calls, you're like, all right, 4 a.m., it doesn't matter when those emails come in, I know you guys are responding. So many of us, we're under authority. We do it too. We respond to our bosses. We observe the law. We pay our taxes. We submit ourselves to the government. If the little league team says, hey, practice is on Sunday, we say, yeah, we're there. But when it comes to the Bible and scripture, we say, "Mm, I'm gonna pause that. If the Holy Spirit starts to speak to us, we say, maybe. If it comes to the authority of a pastor or the church, we say, oh, that's gonna be a hard no. We understand authority. But the centurion had one thing going for him. He understood it, but he submitted to the one who could heal. To the one who could say the word and heal. And with his word, Jesus said, go, it'll be done. The word spoke again, and paralysis left. Jesus continues on in 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law. who was lying sick there with the fever. I always thought, man, this is kind of a home team miracle, not a big deal. Peter's mother-in-law, she's probably already believing in Jesus. She's heard the stories. She's on, she's on team Jesus already. He touched her head, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. It's easy to think, man, I'm already serving Jesus. I'm already on the the team. Jesus has done a little bit for me. But fevers used to kill, right? This was a life-threatening thing for Peter's mother-in-law. And whether you grew up in church like me or you've been radically saved from the streets, Jesus saved your life either way. Jesus saved your life either way. There's no such thing as a minor sin. There's no such thing as a minor fever, life-threatening fever thing. Jesus saved me, and He saved you, and now He's calling us into service of Him. And let's see what happens when this mother-in-law, when this woman of God starts to serve, and everything. And that evening, she began to rose and serve Jesus. And that evening, they brought him many who were oppressed by demons and cast out. He's cast out spirits by his word and healed all who were sick to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and he bore our diseases. What did it cost Jesus to heal in that moment? It cost him his life. Again, he didn't just magic eraser it. This is not, uh, not... being edited out but born by Jesus. If Jesus has touched your life, it's time to serve him. Jesus has saved your life like he saved my life. It's time to serve him. It's time to give him back our time and our energy. It's time to serve his body, the church. It's time to see his kingdom advance in our city. It's time to lift our voices at our jobs and let people know this is not a private faith. God has saved me. Lord, would you move through us? And when Jesus saw, so now there's a crowd. Now there's people swarming the house. Peter lived by the sea, he was a fisherman. So, what does Jesus do? Now, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, He gave the order, he's like, let's get out of here, let's go over to the other side of the lake. But two fools wanted to slow Jesus down. Two people wanted to slow Jesus down. One guy came out, this scribe, he came out and said to Jesus, teacher, say that, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holds, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's Jesus saying here? Foxes, they've got somewhere to go at night or during the day. Little birdies, they rest in nests. But as for the Son of Man, that's a reference to Jesus being the Messianic Savior, reference from Daniel chapter 9 or 10, I think. As for the Son of Man, He's all in. There's no safe space for Jesus. And so if you're looking for a comfortable teacher who's going to just teach you nice things, then you're going to have to sit on the sidelines and get out of my way because I am not a teacher, I'm a Lord. You don't get to approach me like that. If you're looking for good teaching, you can go elsewhere. But as for me, I'm the Lord, so I'm going to keep on moving. This boat is about to take off. Another of the disciples this time said to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. I always thought that was a little bit cruel, like this guy's just taking off from this funeral and his dad's back there dead. And Jesus is like, nah, you, you can't even bury him. That's not what's happening here. It's not what's happening here. In the cultural context of what this is saying, this guy's saying, hey, Jesus, let me follow you. But first, let me see my dad out and get the inheritance that he's going to bring me isn't it going to be better for the kingdom anyways let me go get that sweet inheritance let me inherit the family farm let me settle my estate and then when everything is right i'll come and follow you and we love to approach jesus like this i love to approach jesus like this lord i will follow you asterisk god i'm going to follow you once i get my estate in order lord i'm going to follow you once i'm married because the weight that you put on sexual purity is far too much and it's much easier for me to live with my fiance right now lord i'll follow you once i've climbed the ladder because i'm going to have to do some morally compromising things to get there lord i'll follow you one last drink one last drag One last high, one last fling. I'll follow you once the conditions are right, Lord. Astrid. God forgive us. God forgive us. God have mercy on us. Is he the Lord? When our soul screams out, no. God has been on my case about that because I am rebellious to the core. God's dealing with me. Lord, I'll follow you. Jesus responds, Hey, if that dead stuff is so important, then go die with it. But as for me, this boat's leaving right now. Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, follow me. This boat's leaving. Are we gonna get on the boat? Are we gonna get on that boat? This boat's taking off. And when he got into the boat, verse 23, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, and the boat was being swamped with the waves. And I can hear it now, Lord, didn't we follow you onto this boat? Jesus, didn't I follow you into this marriage? Jesus, didn't I follow you into this city? Or did I not follow you into this career? And now there's the storm. Following Jesus does not get us out of the storms. We know that. They're being swamped, these hardy fishermen. They do everything they can under their own power. And finally, they go to Jesus. And when they woke him, Jesus is asleep on the boat. And when they woke him, they said, save us, Lord, for we are perishing. And he, th- and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Are you a little faith? And he rose. He rebuked the winds and the sea. It was a great calm. And The men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. As I close out, the wind obeys him. The waves obey him. Leprosy obeys him. Paralysis obeys him. Social outcasts obeys him. The Roman centurion obeys him. Will you obey him? Will I obey him? he stops yelling no at Jesus. God has been messing me up on that. And the thought crosses my mind, how many other boats were on the Sea of Galilee that night? How many other boats that didn't have the creator of the winds and the waves on their side? How many marriages torn apart? How many kids lost? How many? How many? How many storms? wrecking boats in our city right now. And the temptation is to say, invite Jesus into your boat, but that's not what I want to tell you today. What I want to tell you is to get out of your boat and go get in Jesus's boat. Do you get it? Stop asking Jesus, bless my life, bless my way, and start saying, Jesus, change me. Change my life and change my way. It's time to get out of the boat that you know and into the boat with Jesus. And you say, Man, that's going to cost me my boat. Yep. And I'm sorry if I've ever preached anything less and said it's going to be easy. It's going to cost you your life. But you'll save it. But when those waves come and those winds hit, there's one who's with you that spoke at the beginning. And he said, let there be light and let there be wind and let there be earth and let there be life and breath in your lungs. And now today he's saying, may that storm be calmed and stilled. So Jesus, forgive us for yelling no at the maker of heavens and earth. If you'd like to go on a fresh yes journey with Jesus, would you stand with me right now? Saying yes, freshly to Jesus. You might have been walking with him for 30 plus years, 50 years. Maybe Jesus is putting his finger on something in you right now. There's a specific thing and Jesus has dealt with me with a number of specific things along the way. It's time to loose and break the hold of darkness over your life. We love to hide in the shadows and say, Holy Spirit, this far and no further. If he's put his finger on something like that. In a moment, I'm gonna invite you forward to receive prayer, confession, and repentance. Would our prayer ministers come forward just now? Lord, we want to freshly put our lives in your hands to get out of our boat and get out of what we know and into what you've designed for us. Lord, we know it doesn't mean that we're saved from storms happening, but it does mean that we're saved from the great storm that is coming called death, called sin, called bondage to the demonic powers. God help us. If God's putting his finger on something in your heart and in your life come on forward receive prayer let's break the power of darkness in our lives right now let's go on a fresh yes journey with jesus let's stop yelling no at jesus right now and say yes putting his finger on some things. I know that feeling. He put his finger on a part of my life when I was 17. I said, I'll never be a pastor. (laughs) A few weeks ago, he put his finger on me and reminded me of how five years ago, Jesus had asked me to get up on a subway and proclaim his name. <laughs> I told him no, because I don't want to look like a fool. And my willful, sinful self got in the way of whatever God wanted to do through me that day. <clears throat> I repented. I got up on a subway a few days ago and I just proclaimed Jesus is Lord and I started sharing the gospel. <laughs> I hated every second of it. (laughs) But God is doing a new work in me and through me. A work where I die and he lives. A work where I stop saying no and I start saying yes, where I stop walking in darkness, I start walking in the light. And how dare I, as a pastor, think that it's gonna cost me nothing? Because I'm not willfully and blatantly sinning. And the work goes deeper still. So if God's putting His finger on something, come on up. Come on forward. He's doing a new work in us right now. He's doing something new in us right now. Lord, we want to say yes to You. We want to say yes to You, God. Lord, we're giving You our hearts. We're giving You our lives. Thank You. Come on up. Come on forward. Lord, we're giving You our yes we want to get out of our boat and get into your boat. We want to get out of our way and to have your way, God. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. Pastor Ron, Dad, would you join me? Shino, when you're when you're ready,
1: Praise God. You know, um, before we leave here, just, just let's just continue. God's presence is moving right here, right now. It was just a couple months ago when DeMar Hamlin dropped, literally dropped dead, what appeared to be death, in a football game, Buffalo Bills. And after that, <clears throat> there were tears and grown men grown athletes dropping down on their knees. And even those who were on the field and those who were on the sidelines and those who were at home watching on TV dropped on their knees. I was struck with that after, I've, I don't recall seeing that happen in our nation where through the marketplace, people falling on their knees, crying out to God, weeping, grown men, 320 pound linemen weeping And crying out to God. Then you fast forward to what just happened about a month ago at Asbury College, Paducah, Kentucky, a little no-name town, Paducah, Kentucky. And at that college, it wasn't in the seminary, they have a seminary too, but in that college, they had 18 straight days, 24-7, of prayer and groaning and tears. and weeping, and rejoicing, and celebrating, straight for 18 days, 270,000 people came to that place, Asbury, and that's broken out in many other places. We we don't we can't mimic that, but we can certainly say, Lord, we invite you here in New York City. We thank you for Paducah, but Lord, we're inviting you in New York City. Jesus, we invite you to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords in New York City. And then as if it's like that that thing, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere this movie that's been in the making for seven years called The Jesus Revolution just hit the marketplace. Just came out. And that was the beginning of the Jesus movement in the United States. And that went all around the world, and it featured just two humble men. Chuck Smith and young Greg Laurie who repented of his sins on drugs and all the stuff that they did back then. And that story is another sign. And the fact is that the producers of the movies, they said, we're sure that every movie is sort of miraculous in the common vernacular. said, but we had multiple miracles as we did that movie and it's touching so many people. I encourage you to go see it. Lynette and I saw it last night. We laughed, we cried, we said, yes, Lord. So this is my prayer for you. And this is my prayer for us that whatever it is that God that you want to do with us, have your way, have your way. Lord, let us not be a hindrance, but a help. Lord, let us not be consumers, but producers. Let us not sit on the bench, but put us on the playing field of life. Help us today to break free from whatever might be holding us back. Lord, I thank You for that message that I heard today. So good, so powerful, so wonderful. God, You love everybody here. You love us. Lord, You're not letting go of us. We thank You for that, Lord. We thank You that You are with us. And God, You want to reveal Your love to us in a greater way than we've ever known. We have lived like paupers compared to what it is to live with You in royalty. Come on, let's say yes to the Lamb of God. Let's say yes to the agenda of the Lamb of God. Let's say yes to the Holy Spirit. May the wind of God be released here in this place. May your pneuma, your breath, blow upon us, Lord, and refresh and expand and renew. Revive us again, O God, as the prophet Habakkuk prayed. Revive us again. Lord, renew us again. Lord, we say say to you, Lord, that we need you. We are bankrupt spiritually. We are bankrupt. We have no power to save ourselves. But Lord, we're turning to you. We're looking to you right now. Now, Lord, I agree with what Pastor Nathan shared. If you need prayer, just come on up. Just get out of the middle of your row and just come up. Say, excuse me, or come on down here. We're going to have some moments where God is going to mantle people. God is going to put old, old rags taken away from you. Some of you have been resisting God, and you know that. You know that's true. And He wants to release us. From whatever's holding us back. And he puts on the robe of righteousness. That righteousness is right standing. You can stand before God with the robes of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve showed us that that fig, fig leaf was not good enough. That fig leaf is going to wilt and die in six days. But the robe that they put on, the robe in the garden was from a sacrificial animal that was sacrificed. And Jesus gives us that robe of righteousness. We can say, I'm at right standing with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am not left alone. I'm not left outside. I am in with the presence of God Almighty, God my Father, without any fear of retribution, any fear of judgment, any fear of wrath, none of that, because it's been taken away by Jesus. And today we say yes to that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And God, we thank you for this. Praise you for this day, crying out for more of you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Grateful God. Grateful God. Grateful God God. in every dorm room. Show up, Lord, like you did for me in my dorm room. I got saved in a dorm room, never been to church, but in a dorm room, Jesus, you're there. Lord, on the subway, Jesus, you are there. In Starbucks, Jesus, you're definitely there. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. You're in our apartments. You're in our homes. Most of all, Jesus, you're in our hearts. We surrender our lives to you. We want to follow you. We want to do your will. Thank you, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. If you enjoyed our message, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others hear the message
0: of Jesus, and we really appreciate it. If you have yet to spend time with us in person, we would love to welcome
1: you to one of our services. Visit everynationnyc.org to find all the info you need to attend a service. We will see you there.